Hi, this is Will Hines from Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics with Kevin Hines. From Screw It, we're just going to talk about comics. And before we get into the episode, we just want to remind everybody, we're still doing our Instagram push. That's right. And this is where we ask you, our fans, to go to our Instagram feed, if, if, you, are a, if you are a user of Instagram, mm-hmm. and take any of the panels in our feed and post them to your stories. Uh, hashtag Screw It Insta Push. <laughs> you don't have to use that part, but do tag us or something. Try, try to... Drive people to our Instagram page. Maybe they'll follow us. Maybe we'll get a few more Instagram followers. My my goal mm. is to get more Instagram followers because then those things start like I don't know. You start showing up more on yeah. uh, algorithms, right? That's right. And then Kevin's been reading up on the and, internet, and then more people start following it, and more people start following mm-hmm. it, and then some of those people go, "Hey, I want to listen to this podcast." Yeah. And before you know it, we're gonna have another sponsor. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so. Well, however this happens, we want it to be long and and <laughs> circuitous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, so screw it, Insta push. Thank you to everyone who's done it already. And yeah, since it started, the the first five or six there was no change, but in recent days we've gained seven followers. Oh, baby, it's got to be because of the screw it, Insta push. It's got to be. So our goal now is for three more, and yeah, we want to get to an even ten. So let's see if we can make that happen, everybody. Hashtag screw it, Insta push, mm-hmm. and uh, again, thanks to everyone who's done it, and thanks to everyone who's going to do it. And now uh, I guess we should get on with the episode. Yeah, that's the end of our cold, cold open. Screw it, screw it, we're just gonna talk about Welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics, the only podcast where two people talk about a thing they love. And that thing is comic books. Two people. I meant brothers. Two brothers. I can't remember our own spiel. I can't uh, believe it because we say it the exact same way every time. It's yeah, weird know, it's to get it wrong. So precise, and I and I fumbled it. Uh, so yes, I'm one of the two brothers slash co-hosts slash comic book fan. I'm Kevin Hines, and I'm the other one of all those things and less. Will Hines. And we're thrown off because we're doing one of our rare face-to-face recordings. Usually we do this over Zoom, so now we actually have to look at another human being while we do it, and it challenges our intimacy issues. Yeah. Yeah, normally we can just turn the monitors around and not look at each other. Go to sleep. Yeah, we take little naps while the other one's talking. Now this is like we got to pretend like we're real human beings. So you're going to hear our discomfort throughout this episode. And Kevin, what are we talking about this episode? Well, we are in the midst, the middle, the middle... Two episodes, the middle, Amidst. yeah, because there's four episode season. We're in the middle of our Squadron Supreme season. Mm. Uh, Squadron Supreme being the Mark Grunewald written comic book maxi series, 12 issue series that Marvel Comics put out in the 80s, just before Watchmen, that involved a super uh, Justice League analogs, basically um, kind of like more realistic, more putting the world, uh, 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 having real-world repercussions. And trying to solve the world's problems very directly. How do yeah. we fix hunger? How do we fix gun yeah. rights? I mean, this is back in the 80s when we still had all those problems. Oh, yeah. So it's you got to put be your weird head back. our audience to yeah. think about... This is a time when gun rights were a problem, mm-hmm. when um, famine was a problem, the it's, environment was There's a social apart. class issue where like, there, some people were rich and some people were, were very mm-hmm. poor... Countries didn't always get along. Yeah. Uh, since we've solved those problems, it, it's harder to imagine wanting superheroes to solve them for us. But this is at a time where that would be kind of a cool thing to think about. Um, but, and we're, and this is, we're going to do issues four, five, and six this episode. Yeah, we're doing three issues an episode. So they'll, so then we'll do seven, eight, nine, and then I can't figure out the last three. Yeah. 
I don't know what. We'll yeah. worry about that when we get there. Yeah, that's too far ahead. I can't do that math. And uh, so before we get to that, Kevin, um, I think we have like segments that are sort of happening. Sure. Yeah. We well, we have one segment. I can think of two. Oh wow! I got a surprise one for you. Right, <laughs> but it's not a segment if we've never done it before, right? I mean, I think you're going to want this to be a segment. Okay, um, but first is kind of like news, basically, like comics news. Yeah, and I don't know if this is a segment necessarily, but like when things come up, when news breaks, we might cover it. <laughs> if news breaks and we've heard of it, yeah, and we understand it, we'll and talk we have about opinions it. on it, mm-hmm. and we remember, we'll talk about we'll it. We'll talk about it. And so today we're talking about a lot of death. <laughs> There's been a lot of like important mm-hmm. deaths of uh, beloved and talented people in the comics and comics adjacent industries, so we're just going to talk about it real yeah. quick. The first one, uh, chronologically, is Kevin O'Neill died. Yeah. This, he died, actually, I think, the day we recorded our last podcast. We could have talked about it then, but blew it. news broke and we weren't aware of we're it yet. We're not ready for that. So. We, need, we need like 20 years. We're doing Squadron Supreme. It came out in 1985. <laughs> yeah. I think 1981, right? No, 85 and 86, yeah. Oh, okay. And so uh, Kevin O'Neill, uh, yeah, so there's no way we can react to something that just happened that day. But Kevin O'Neill is an artist, and he drew League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah. Um, and, and Which is one of our all-time favorite comics. And like Martial Law, which I've never really read. I, I feel like maybe I read the Martial Law Batman. But just by doing League, yeah. and there was a lot of League, there was like... yes. Three miniseries plus the Black Dossier, mm-hmm. and I'm forgetting, and I think something else. Oh, like um, the 2000 or whatever it was called. There was the the, the Century books at the end. There yeah. was like the Nemo books. I mean, it's a bunch. It's a lot, and and they're and they're mostly all wonders. The the best of those books are among my favorite comics ever, and even the ones that maybe are not as good. It, they're just an excellent franchise. Yeah, I think the first two minis are great. And then the rest of it is somewhere between good to great. Yeah. But I kind of enjoy even the bad parts. Right. I, I mostly am like that, too. Um, and, and his art's really fun, and his art's a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. And um, so just just for doing that, he, he is a memorable uh, comics artist who made a great contribution, and, and, and he did other things, too, that we're too dumb to know about. Yeah, I mean, that's the main thing we know him as as the artist from League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which was written by Alan Moore, uh, sort of that rosy, cheery comic book writer we all love to hear about. (laughs) A Uh, guy with no no problems. Yeah, this guy loves comics. Did you hear what he thought of the new Black Panther movie? He was going crazy about it. (laughs) Uh, Alan Moore was. Uh, But Kevin O'Neill, you know, I don't know how old he was. I I didn't know he was sick. I mean, it wasn't that long ago he finished League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. It was a couple years ago. Yeah, but that's not a long time ago, right? It's, It's not like he's been ailing for a while as far as i know but maybe and uh yeah i really loved his art it's sort of it's sort of angular uh and it's dense and filled with um not easter eggs but just sort of like details right like he, yeah he, because league of Extraordinary gentlemen is so fun because alan moore is like filling it with all these characters you've never heard of from books you've never read that no one has ever heard of and it and Kevin O'Neill kind of fills those panels with all that stuff without, like, losing the thread of the story. It's yeah. very impressive. Uh, he was 69 years old when he died, so you're getting up there where it's not a total tragic number, although we're always sad to lose a great person. Six, 69 feels young now. Feels pretty young, yeah. I'm, am I 69? No, could, not I quite yet. Be. Not quite yet. 
He did. He worked for 2000 AD. That's probably where he met Alan Moore. Yeah, and that's where he did like martial law and uh, something else. He had another big title. Um, he drew the final Nemesis, the Warlock Nemesis, story. That's it. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, so uh, rest in peace, Kevin O'Neill. And if you know, just another excuse. If you haven't read League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, treat yourself. Yeah. Check I out bet, that first miniseries. I bet we'll cover that first miniseries. I bet. I bet you will. Maybe next. We I mean, we don't know. We really it's not don't. like we're in charge. <laughs> we have no control. We wait for we the cover. gods to tell us. Yeah, but we, we walked up to a bookshelf and we wait to see what book falls into our lap, and mm-hmm. that's what we cover. That's right. Um, so and then what? Who should we do next? And then Carlos uh, Pacquiao mm-hmm. was the next person to die, and now I knew he was sick. It still felt very sudden. Uh, he is the artist uh, for me most famously known for Avengers Forever, which Kurt Busiek. Uh, wrote and he drew uh but he also did a bunch of stuff he did like a run on fantastic four he drew some and he wrote some of that he did a long run on x-men he did a run on superman again with kurt Busiek. he uh did uh, with he did a lot with kurt uh he did uh, aerosmith which was like sort of a creator owned book with kurt um and his art is just beautiful mm. And colorful and like, it's like great superhero art, even though he's done some stuff that isn't. It's just like, it pops. Yeah. Tom Brevoort, the uh, Marvel editor, the master of the Marvel mm-hmm. arts, guest on this podcast and lots of comics podcasts. Yeah. But he, he said ours is his favorite. Is that right? Yeah. Not in a public way that anybody could verify. No, right? not to us either, but <laughs> I got to assume he said that. Um, it seems like the sort of thing he would say. I got that vibe from him as he spent 45 minutes with us a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, he wrote a really lovely uh, sort of eulogy about Carlos in his um, newsletter, which I recommend. Yeah. And uh, it's probably on his blog, too. And he said that people called Carlos the king of Spain, just like because he's from Spain. And he also just was like a king, you know, like Jack King Kirby. Like king is one of those nicknames in comics that you give out when somebody's like top shelf yeah he had just finished a miniseries with kurt uh the second aerosmith miniseries which came out like 20 years after the first one uh and then he had sort of announced that he was taking a break from comics briefly uh because he had this leg injury that was sort of he like was going to doctors about and they was going to require surgery or something and he was just going to be laid up for a while so it was going to be a bit before he got uh back to it and then it was uncovered that the leg injury was just a symptom of lou gehrig's disease Oh God, yeah, ALS, and uh, and then he died very quickly. I mean, like not that long after that was came out, and so it was like, ah, oh, it's so sad. He's like, basically, I'm done with comics now that I know I have this disease. Yeah, and it's like, ah, oh, it's so sad. And now he's just not just done with comics; he's passed, and yeah. it's heartbreaking. I really love Avengers Forever. I think it's one of those weird comics that it's a very dense, lots of text, and it's like. Playing within continuity, even a lot for a Kurt Music book. Right. Uh, but the good parts are so good. Yeah. And it wouldn't work at all if Carlos wasn't the artist on it because it it's beautiful to look at. Um, rest in peace, Carlos. And he's one of these guys that just had tons of people writing mm-hmm. heartbroken and just lovely things about how much they cared about him and appreciated him. And, and it was nice to see those things. Yeah. And uh, then uh, finally was third is the... Uh, Kevin Conroy. Yeah, Kevin Conroy, who's 66, talking about young. Uh, Carlos was 60. Um, so none of these guys are old in my mind. Right. Under 70 feels so young. Yeah. It's rough. Um, I mean, not like tragedy young, but like too soon. Makes you, makes you like check your own pulse. <laughs> You're yeah. like, well, how am I doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, Kevin Conroy, who I didn't know was sick at all. 
Right, I didn't either. Uh, the voice of Batman from the Batman the Animated Series. Mm-hmm. And the video games. Uh, cartoon, yes. Will's more of a video game nut. I'm more of a television media <laughs> nut. Um, he, like, he was so good as the voice of Batman. Yeah. Uh, he defined that character in a way that, like, I don't think any of the actors in the movie, like, in a way, Michael Keaton didn't define the character adam west maybe is the closest person <laughs> defining it as i know this. i was i was thinking about that too adam west probably is as as oddly as probably is number two um i mean maybe christian bale like those movies are i don't so think impactful. so i think those movies are great but i think like when you think batman kevin yeah. conroy's voice is more likely what's going to pop in your head than the gravelly christian bale voice it was there was so much um sadness and love for kevin when the news broke that he that he died and i what i kept seeing people write was that this was the voice people heard in their head when they're reading comics. Like yeah. they they watched Batman the Animated Series, they heard his voice. They're like, "Oh yeah, that's Batman's voice," and so that would be in people's heads for the rest of their lives whenever they read Batman. And it meant as a compliment to how good he was at his job, how good a fit he was. Yeah. When I don't hear voices in my head a lot, but when that cartoon was on around that time, through that and like Justice League Unlimited times, which he also was continued to do the voice for. He certainly was the voice in my head when I read those comics. And if it didn't work, like if the words didn't fit with his voice, I didn't blame my interpretation of his voice. I was like, this comic isn't written well. It doesn't <laughs> sound good in this voice that it should be. It's yeah. really how it felt to me. I was like, that's the check. Like, can I imagine Kevin Conroy saying this? Then I don't like it if, I, if the answer is no. It's also just a testament to how much that cartoon was beloved and just how much it meant to so many people uh, that they have such a powerful emotional connection with a performance. Because Mark Hamill's performance of the Joker, I think, is another one that yeah. is beloved and revered. Um, and Yeah. Uh, Kevin Conroy is also interesting. Both he and Mark Hamill sort of retired from the voices. I don't know whether it was their choice or not, but like they had done it a while. And like yeah. new interpretations of the cartoon came out in these direct animated films. It's always like fun to get a stunt casting. But then they would keep bringing these guys back. Yeah. Every now and then, because it was like, ah, we're going to do this one. Let's make it special and get the best Batman voice and the best Joker voice. And that's the same thing for the video game. It's like, who do we want to do the voice? Let's get the best one. Uh, And that's Kevin Conroy. He's also, from what I understand, just sometimes when people like are most famous for like doing a thing, one genre thing. Yeah. Especially like a voice when you're like, this is a stage actor. Kevin Conroy is like a big stage actor at one point. Yeah. Like, they can get bitter about it, I would think. And just yeah, sort of he wasn't like, like a comic book nerd who was seeking out to... This wasn't his yeah. dream. But every story about like someone coming up and meeting him, he would just like do the Batman voice for them. Yeah. like He was happy about it. He seemed proud of the fact that it like had such an impact on people, which is what the reaction you want from him. Yeah. Uh, he also got to play Bruce Wayne in the Flash TV series when they did the Crisis event. Oh, interesting. Um like there is at some point where was it the crisis event it was one of those crossover events i think it was crisis where you basically see like the old crippled batman like in the metal suit from a kingdom come and kevin conroy played the part and it was just it was just like let's let this voice of batman get to be batman yeah visually and i was like ooh, i was so excited for that it was like yes yeah a minute long scene but it was like oh so fun yeah it's uh you know you can't always count on the um, artist being as lovely as the art that they make, and it's it's nice when that's true. Um, I didn't know he was gay. Like, in these obituaries, it talked about his husband, and I was like, oh, I never really even... not. Th- I really didn't know a lot about Kevin Conroy, yeah. but I remember it's like, wow, that never, like... 
Yeah. It didn't like float into my brain from he, just. He wrote a great story drawn by uh, uh, Jay Bone uh, in a recent DC anthology Pride uh, comic mm-hmm. where he tells the story of like getting the part of Batman and how it tapped into sort of like how he was closeted gay for a while and, and like dealing with that sort that sort of emotional state helped fuel like sort of the dual identities of Batman. Um, and that was when I learned about it. So I don't know if it was well known before then, but I was like, oh, I didn't know this. And it was a great story that he wrote, obviously very moving, very sad that it came out so soon before he died. Um, yeah. He, um, I also, here's the thing I do know about him. Uh, he went to Juilliard and he roomed with, uh, I think his roommate was Robin Williams and his friend was Christopher Reeve. Amazing. So Superman, Batman, and Popeye were all like a tight group. And I think also Frasier, Kelsey Grammer, I think was also part of that crew. Amazing. Um, but also like I bring up Superman and uh, Popeye because both Robin Williams and Christopher Reeve were also past now. Uh, so it's just oh, yeah, sad. yeah. He roomed with Robin Williams and he was in the same group, whatever that means. Must They must have had like... It was like a friend group. Yeah, uh, uh, of... Uh, Kelsey Grammer, yeah. Um, I wonder if I mean I, I don't know. Like in a way, I mean, talk about the comparison syndrome for an actor making you feel bad. It's like yeah. I can't be. You, you, do you ever feel like you're a funny person if you're friends with Robin Williams? <laughs> like, <laughs> or do you feel successful? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, or, and like oh, as, uh, a, as a superhero actor, it's like, oh, I'm the best superhero. I'm the best known superhero actor in my group as the voice. Of, well, except for Christopher Reeve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what? Well, I'm identified. I'm identified with one character more than it. Well, Frasier. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> These right. guys are just so so huge. <laughs> um, but Kevin Cotteray, just a great guy. It's really sad. I mean, ugh, that cartoon. I loved it so much. Like I was in college when that cartoon aired. And so you were older than its target audience. I was, and I didn't have access to a television because uh, you lived I, in the street. Because I didn't have a television. <laughs> we didn't have cable. This is pre-internet. And uh, you didn't have internet television piped into your glasses wherever you walked, into your Google glasses. <laughs> yeah, right? like that's these the kids today, technology. right? Yeah. Um, and I still like went out of my way to make sure I saw like every episode of that yeah. show. It was so so good. I was late to it. I mean, I I heard you and our brother Brian raving about it mm-hmm. for years, and really everybody. And then uh, eventually, I started watching the sort of um, Bruce Tim. Uh, Paul Dini kind of universe of yeah. stuff later. I watched him in the weird order. I think I watched The Adventures of Superman first and then the Justice League show. Uh, and then I finally got around to watching The Adventures of Batman. Batman Advent. Oh, just Batman the Animated Series. Batman the Animated Series. Um, sorry. Uh, like uh, Apology? Not accepted. Okay, I, that's fine. Like maybe six years ago, seven years ago, I got a hold of a DVD <laughs> and uh, watched them all. Put that under your Google Glasses. I, Put the DVD into my Google Glass, and I said, "Google Play DVD," and you know it did yeah. it because it's because it knows me. Yeah. Um, and it was uh, so great; it'll be held up so well. Like it was so easy to watch and just to burn through them all. And it was uh, it's just um, remarkable how much it raised the bar of what cartoons should be, of what adaptations of superhero material should be, what family friendly should be. Um, it's still. I mean, if you're going to rank adaptations of the Batman character, is it the best one? Like, I think it is. I think like most people would say it's number one. If they don't, probably younger people maybe maybe who haven't watched it are the ones who I think wouldn't rate it so high. 
it just captured everything that was good about the character. It was still work for kids. It was fun. It was artistic. It, it was just a lovely creation. It's what any ad- adaption should do, right? It took like what's best about Batman from all these different versions and boiled it down into one product. Because like Batman had been around at that point 60 years or so. Yeah. And they just said, like, all right, well, what, uh, what's the best things about Batman throughout those 60 years? And let's yeah. take them. And if well, there's missing something, 50, let's add to it. Yeah. Um, and they just sort of, like, built this, like, pure, perfect, timeless Batman. Like, one of the things I love about that cartoon is there are computers and cell phones, but also they drive, like, old-fashioned cars. Yeah, the artistic. Art deco. It's just sort of like, they're like, oh, we want to have the good stuff from all eras. We don't care. Yeah. Um, and we could just go on about the cartoon forever, but mm-hmm. inventing Harley Quinn, improving Dr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze? Uh, I like, I think of him as a doctor. <laughs> okay. And, um, <laughs> and, um, giving us a Joker who is evil without being a mass murderer, uh, giving us a Batman who is serious, but not a bummer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, he's also. His Bruce Wayne also Kevin Connors Bruce Wayne is also perfect. Yeah, but yeah, like Alfred is like the funniest he's ever been in that cartoon. I would say. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he's a Batman who's dark, but not like completely insane. Like sometimes Batman, like in a Frank Miller sense, just becomes a complete bonkers yes, right, right, human right. being, where it's like, oh, this is a crazy person <laughs> right, fighting right. crime. This is Rorschach minus one degree. Right, right. Uh, that's not this Batman. This Batman is like a hero. Someone like you'd be like, oh, he's saving me. Not like, oh, no, he's saving me. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and a lot of that's the voice. A lot of that, obviously, is the direction and writing. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of a complete package. And Kevin Conroy is a huge, huge part of that. And it's tragic he's gone too soon. R.I.P. Kevin Conroy. Um, if, if you know someone who's died, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> trying to make this a segment. We gotta yeah, keep these the deaths. The obituary segment of uh, Screw yeah, talk yeah. about comics. I was gonna talk about a little movie TV stuff and just say that I'm into Andor because I consider that comic book adjacent because it's Star Wars. Sure. I don't think our media thing has to be only comic book stuff. That's gonna limit us too much. Okay, well I'm also reading the Brothers Karamazov. Okay. No. Um uh Andor, yeah. Um, the word of mouth on it is so insane. Like people are just, it's one of these things that people are grabbing you by the neck and being like, you must watch this show. I argue it's not insane enough. I don't hear it about that much. And my circle of friends, they won't shut up about it. Let me tell you. Yeah. Uh, uh I'm not even, not even, I don't have friends. So it's See, not that's that, but it's just like, I'm like, I'm not hearing the buzz where it's like, oh, everyone is talking about the show, like Game of Thrones quality, or even the first season of Mandalorian. Everyone talked about it. I'm like, this is the best thing that Star Wars has made since Return of the Jedi. There's pretty I good think. word of mouth on it, and I guess maybe it's it maybe is not what it deserves in, in certain quarters and certain places, mm-hmm. but in some areas it's getting a lot of word of mouth and word is getting around that this is that this show is yeah. great. I just think it should be trending more. But you should you I should be getting spoiled on it anytime I don't watch an episode. I don't want to be, but like <laughs> I feel like it should be that popular where Everyone is talking about it, and I just feel like I don't hear about it that much. Um, well, just, people who watch it love it. Uh, Andor is a, a prequel to the movie Rogue One, where Cassian Andor, who is one of the heroes of that movie, we see kind of his origin story. Um, this is a non-spoilery description. And what's unique about this show is it's kind of like a political intrigue slash heist crime stuff within the Star Wars universe. And it's very like intellectual and verbal and there's a lot of prideful, interesting characters. 
speaking in impassioned tones and sort of uh, it's very literate and smart you know what i mean some some star wars properties are kind of meant for kids and some of them are westerns and this one is like a this is the guy who did michael clayton tony gilroy is the uh leader of this show and so it's kind of it's almost like michael clayton in star wars basically yeah it's also just shot well it's not rushed like there's like quiet moment it, it i think it feels like 50 percent blade runner at times where it just mm-hmm. like feels slow and not methodical but like deliberate yeah. Where sometimes Star Wars doesn't feel deliberate. Sometimes Star Wars feels a little like, just like, hang on. We don't know where we're going. Where this feels like, and now this happens. And now yeah. this happens. Like, And I mean that in a really good way. Like in a Better Call Saul way where it's just like, ooh, I could watch this character make coffee for five minutes. Yeah. And it's, I'm engaged enough that I don't care now. Uh, Andor has a bit of that going for it. I mean, I love it, man. It's, it's well, yeah, it's my favorite Star Wars thing since Return of the Jedi. Wow. That's high. I don't know. It's a, there's been a lot of garbage. <laughs> but there's some things I've enjoyed too. But it, uh, like this is the first thing I've been like, excited. When I'm about. watching an episode, I'm like, because I'm always ranking things in my head because I'm an idiot fanboy person. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, Star Wars number one, the original movie. Number two, Andor. Number three, <laughs> Empire. Now, I know that's nuts, but it goes through my head. Like yeah. when I'm in the thralls of like watching it and I'm loving it so much. Yeah. Um, I'm higher on Return of Jedi than most people probably. Um so I, that, I watched some of the original of, trilogy is sort of like that's the top for you're me. not alone I was watching with my friend Jim and I was like okay Star Wars Empire and then Andor it was a long pause and Jim's like I can't leave out Jedi Jedi's gotta go before all I goes I think of those three movies as one movie yeah. and I think a lot of people are like that well the Ewoks I think have tainted that movie for people more than they should have I think the Ewoks are great personally Ewoks are at worst fine in that movie yeah. at worst I think they're great Okay, uh, but I, I really love Return of the Jedi. I think the space battles are really great, and uh, some of the oh, the action uh, some of the Jedi stuff awesome. is really great. And you got Harrison uh, Ford in that movie, and that opening sequence on uh, Tatooine is so so fun, really fun, yeah. Um, so I don't know that movie. Although very famously, like, isn't there somebody who wrote like that segment? Like, what was the plan? Uh, yeah, yeah. Screen notes is that? Gosh, I can't remember this podcast I used to listen yeah. to about screenwriting with Craig Mazin and uh, John August, but they had an episode on Jedi where it was like, what? And I think they were basing it on an essay they had read, but it was like, what was the plan? Like with all these people in these like secret roles and stuff. Yeah, I think the plan was just get Luke there and then give him his lightsaber. The I know, last it second. seems like there were simpler ways to do that. But uh, but you don't notice it when you're watching the movie. The worked. movie's great. It worked. Um, okay, well, Andor. Two milk sops up for Andor. <laughs> and um, I almost, should we take a break and then do Squadron? Um, we're at 25 minutes yeah i think so i think that's how we'll do these squadron episodes okay so we take a break and then we're actually going to talk about what we said we were going to talk about which is uh three issues of squadron supreme right come right back everybody all right just stay there this won't be long okay that was long sorry yeah that was a long i don't know what happened there 25 minute commercial break yeah i didn't expect it so i should have set us up for that um, so, Kevin, we're going to get into the next three issues of Squadron Supreme. So why don't we just start with this? What would you think? Um, so, Because to- last last time we said that we weren't so high on this, that yeah. we had respect for it, we found it interesting, but we weren't loving it, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, and I liked these three issues significantly more than the first three, personally. Yeah, I thought I that I still too. think it is, at best, very good. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's great. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's certainly uh, people who compare it to Watchmen. To me, it's like, well, it's not. It's not even in the same ballpark quality-wise. But yeah. uh, these three issues are definitely stronger. It makes me more excited for the back six, which I have not read yet. 
Um, like if this quality keeps increasing like this, I can see it ending very strongly. Um, yeah. I was just more engaged by these three issues than I was by the first three. I, I was too. I, I think I got, well, first of all, I knew the characters a bit more, you know, you've, you've gone through the part where you're learning who these people are and I, I can, you know, I think the story, the, the dialogue hurts mm-hmm. is dated the pacing feels dated, mm-hmm. but the actual, like, what's happening in the story, like, if I was just going to write down an outline of what's happening, it is interesting, and it's wild, and it's, like, big, big swings, and, like, I think, like you said last episode, the fact that Marvel's doing it, it's it's different because it's happening at Marvel Comics. This isn't, like, an indie thing from Eclipse Comics, which was the big indie at the time, or, like, a Fantagraphics, you know, thing, or a European artist who this is like the big the big boys triple a yeah. video game blockbuster weekend doing pretty wild story so i you know i I've, i got respect for it yeah and uh i thought it came out like it overlapped with watchmen more it beat watchmen right it, it was almost done or or just about complete by the time watchmen started uh from what i've now read online oh, i didn't know that between uh, uh podcast episodes so that you know is also impressive it isn't like uh, Watchmen started first and inspired this. I don't think either one well, inspired I, I, each I other. I never thought that. Um, but it beat it by a year, and there is something to that where, like, you know, <laughs> if Watchmen had started, maybe then Mark Grunewald's like, oh, now I can't do Squadron Supreme. Maybe that does cross his mind, because how do you compete? Um, but uh, yeah, this is it, like a full year before Watchmen. Yeah, it's pretty cool in that sense, too. Like, you know, there's some adult stuff happening at this point, but it's still rare. Um, it also does feel like we said last, last issue, it's, it's a personal project for Mark Grunewald. It feels like there's passion here and that, that, that goes a long way towards making it a story enjoyable. Yeah. My complaints are still the same. Like obviously what Will said, like it's a little dated or it's just a little old fashioned. It's written even old fashioned, I think for 81, but not a lot. 85. Like, uh, 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 so, you Dr. know, Freeze, it, 85. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> written like, it's just, there's an aspect to it that is like. Oh, this isn't written like the new up and coming great shooter era of writers. It's kind of written by like just before that. Yeah. Um, but also on top of that, I feel like I still feel like oh, there's just a few too many characters. There's just yeah. a few too many moving pieces where like if you simplified this story and let some of these bits breathe, it would be so much stronger for it. Yeah. Um, what should we get into the issues? Yes. Okay. That makes sense. So issue four. It's got Lady Lark on the cover, uh, strapped into a brainwashing machine. And um, should I summarize the plot of this issue? Very, yeah, por- yeah. very high Go level. It. Go for it. The high level main plot here is that the Golden Archer almost dies in um, a mission. Um, and he's saved by the wizard, but he sees his life flash before his eyes and decides that he wants to propose to his girlfriend, Lady Lark. He does. And she's very hesitant about it, and she rejects his proposal. Because she's starting to fall in love with the blue, blue eagle. eagle. Yeah. And and so she breaks up with him, and it's a pretty adult rejection of a wedding proposal for a superhero comic. It's like a three or four panel. Like There's a lot of like speeches that are shown up in Squadron where superheroes are giving nuance to things that you don't normally see. Yeah, there's like... Four horizontal panels f- just filled with dense speech balloons where she's rejecting this guy, rejecting his marriage proposal. Um, however, meanwhile, throughout the comic, Tom Thumb, the mechanical genius of the group... Has, who can't cure cancer. Who can't cure cancer, but what he can do <laughs> is create a 
brainwashing machine that mm-hmm. lets you reprogram brains to be whatever you say with English words into a microphone. Yes, that's right. So he also invented terrific voice recognition. Yeah. That gets buried. Nobody <laughs> mentions sure. that, like, you know, we were trying to talk to Alexa, Alexa earlier before, and it was a nightmare. This guy's got <laughs> perfect voice recognition. Yeah. And the ability... And this is in 1985, a year I often called 1981. So exactly. So that, just think about that. It's almost the 70s. <laughs> I mean, Dr. Freeze has nothing on Tom <laughs> Thumb. Um, but so he's invented it, and it's, they want to use it to rehabilitate criminals, to basically clockwork orange them in a painless way yes. so that they are unable to commit crimes. Yeah, remove their bad impulses and replace them with good impulses. So it's like, you like robbing people? Now you don't like robbing people. Yes, which definitely seems terrifying. And the squadrons... Uh, so he's he's demonstrating it to them. The next issue is when they're going to start using it on the public. Right. But <laughs> after he gets rejected for marriage in the middle of the night, Golden Archer... Uh, sedates Lady Lark, drags her into the machine, yeah. and programs her to be in love with him. And it works. And at the end of the issue, she's madly in love with him and wants to get married. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, and that's nuts. All, yeah. that, all that is nuts. Also, the almost the entire team is on board with this device. Which is crazy. Uh, except for Amphibian. The Amphibian, the Aquaman guy. He's against it. Uh, everyone else is sort of like, yeah, this seems like a good idea. And it, uh, I also think it's very fun in, in books like this where, like, everyone's like, well, it seems bad. It's like rewriting someone's brain. And Tom Thumb's like, technically it isn't. Here's documents proving that. It's like, okay, I guess, I don't know what, I don't know how, how to handle that. Like, yeah. It still is. You are yeah, rewriting you, someone's brain. It doesn't really matter the mechanics of how you're doing it. You're changing yeah. somebody's personality. You're lobotomizing them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're, but I guess. It's also very funny. Like, the archer is portrayed he's a little more hawkeye than green arrow he sort of doesn't care he's sort of not paying attention he's sort of like eh whatever and then he like shows up to tom thumb's like hey can you teach me how to use that machine again and tom thumb's like oh it's so great you're paying attention to this yeah he's like, like delighted to have somebody nerd out on his machine like, this seems very suspicious tom thumb yeah so exactly so th- this this issue kind of shows the good and the bad of what i've yeah. seen in squadron so far the good is this is a wild story idea. Brainwashing machine. Should we brainwash the criminals? And yeah. the superheroes go, yes. That's a high-stakes story move. Yeah, and there is an argument, too, right? If you're going to be in jail forever, wouldn't it be better to just remove those impulses mm-hmm. and be free? And there are people who are just, they're they're permanently violent, or so it seems. Yeah. So that but it, whether that's their fault or because of upbringing or because yeah. of uh, whatever issues got them to that point, if you could fix that, it seems like... That seems okay on a very surface level. Yes, it's a really, it's a really interesting, you know, it's the kind of thing where you feel like a Black Mirror episode yeah. might have a machine like this, or so it's a, it's an intriguing plot device, and then it's also fun that he applies it on a personal level within our main characters. Like it seems like a very kind of sophisticated story idea for mm-hmm. a superhero comic, like. Here's an intriguing solution to society's problems. We're going to also ratchet up the emotional stakes with this personal thing. Yeah, um, I'm going to do it in the normal 22 pages or whatever of my comic. And it's like, okay, this is like this is this is a guy who knows how to write an issue of a comic. Really going for it. On the other hand, it's like, hey, Tom Thumb, show me how to use that machine. And there's absolutely no no uh, sense of that something's yeah. going wrong. And then like nobody in the team seems to think it's weird at this point that Lady Lark is just madly in love with him. Yeah, way more affectionate than she's ever been before. 
there's fun subplot stuff too. Like they're still dealing with taking guns away. Yeah. Uh, which again, I'm mostly in favor of though. The way they're doing it seems, uh, uh, abusive power. Uh, and, yeah. An abusive power. Yeah. But, uh, there's something about that good. And Dr. Spectrum after killing nuke is really, is sort of taking himself out of active duty. He won't, he's, he will do like non-fighting materials things. around, but he's not going to fight and get in combat. He's, he's just he's, doesn't want to fight right gun now. He's and He's the gun. Yeah. Uh, and he's, one of the most powerful members of the team. Yeah, you're taking the Green Lantern off off the board. Um, so that's all fun stuff that's kind of percolating in the background, too, while this is going on. Yeah, so th- this is, you know, when I read this issue, I was like, oh, you know, my eyebrows kind of pricked up. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, that's, this is really making good on its promise to be like, we're going to go, what if superheroes just try to fix everything? What sort of stuff would go wrong? Yeah, it's something about Nuke going crazy because Tom Thumb couldn't cure cancer in what seemed like maybe a week or two. Yeah. Uh, felt ridiculous to me. But something about uh, the Golden Archer brainwashing his girlfriend, while still seemed crazy, like felt, uh, I guess because it's a little smaller Felt more realistic. It felt more realistic. It's and also darker. impulsive, right? Like, yeah, it's a mistake he makes over the course of two hours. Yeah, uh, you see, and he's so he's so hurt when she rejects him, and even while he's doing it, he's like second guessing himself. Yeah, um, and it just seems like, oh, this is bad, and it's so easy to do. Yeah, so it's a little bit more within the realm of sort of uh, yeah. plausibility or whatever. And uh, it was, I don't know, it's pretty it was it, fun. It definitely hit me more than the. The dark aspects of the first three issues. Let's go on to issue five, Kevin. Sure, that's the one right after four, right? Uh, I'm not sure about that, but I know that we're also we've also agreed to cover it. Okay. Um, so issue five in, is involved as an evil group called the Institute of Evil. <laughs> um, so you know they're evil because it's in the name. Yeah. And uh, they like a monkey with treadmills and a, that's and a, Madam Ape and like a punk guy. Forget and, his and name. Some doctor with like a gun for a hand. <laughs> They've got and some like blobby dude. They're weird. Dudes. It looks like either the weirdest heroes from like the late fifties or Grant Morrison's last superhero team. You yeah, know I mean it looks like, like that's a little strange. Doom Patrol. Yeah. So uh, Lamprey is the punk guy, and then oh no, Lamprey is the little devil-looking demon guy. Shape. There's a, just a big dumb guy called yeah. Shape who can like yeah. transform his muscles. Kind of looks like Metamorpho, sort of. Anyway, I can't keep track of these guys, but um, they they get a hold of the brainwashing machine, and so they start brainwashing the squadron to be evil. Right, but first it starts with um, the the squadron brainwashing prisoners who become right. happy members of society, and. Um, there's also a little subplot with like the wizard wishing he could see his family more often. Right, he's the family man of the group. Yeah, and that's all sort of happening. And uh, well, we find out that Arcana's pregnant. Oh yeah, she has like a normal civilian husband. Yeah, uh, but then yes, then the institute breaks into whatever the Hall of Justice. I don't know what it's called. The squadron of the 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 the, the, the squalor of squadron. I don't know what do they call their base. Squadron Plaza, um, something like that, or Um, but they capture Tom Thumb and brainwash him using the brainwashing machine, and then slowly capture everyone except for the Wizard, yeah, who runs away and like gets a bunch of guns. Right. It's interesting. So he, and then he has to decide whether to protect his family first or save the squadron. Yeah. Um, and he saves and he protects his family first. Yes, Uh, but when he gets there, aren't they already gone? He makes yes. it. Yes, he calls them, and they've already been taken. 
So he's enraged. He's out of control, angry, yeah. and he bursts into the Institute of Evil's uh, evil dome. Um, yeah, yeah. Evil home. Well, evil no, condo. I think, I think they might still be in the squadron. Oh, okay, uh, they're in the squad because that's where the, the squadron machine. plaza, as it's squadron known. plaza, or whatever. Yeah, Nakatomi Squadron. Um, and yeah, he starts. He comes in with his machine gun and blowing them away. But like the superheroes now are all brainwashed and are protecting the Institute of Evil. Right. So they stop the wizard from actually hurting anybody, but he just unloads machine guns into the group yeah but then big twist none of them were brainwashed what uh and it was they were all all waiting for the perfect moment that doesn't quite make sense i mean i feel like like the moment hyperion got there he could have just beaten them all yeah if superman's not brainwashed let's just cut to the chase yeah but yes so that the 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 heroes were never brainwashed because tom thumb had put a little feature in the machine that uh heroes that this team their brainwaves would not be affected by it. And the reason he did that is because he knows that somebody brainwashed Lady Lark, and he assumes it's Golden Archer, but he doesn't want anyone else to be brainwashed. But he also doesn't tell anyone about this. Right. There's a lot of not telling. Yeah. There's a lot of enabling of toxic people. Yeah. Uh, it's the 80s, folks. You know, you could brainwash your teammates and get away with it. Uh, so I'm going to say, so you know how we are saying how this like still has like a lot of the hallmarks of like a mainstream comic in terms of like its dialogue and its pacing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And maybe that masks a little bit, no pun intended, it's like kind of artistic ambitions. Like, oh, yeah. it's hard to appreciate maybe how innovative it was because it's trying to fit within the confines of a mainstream comic book. I also failed to appreciate until this issue just how nuts this story is. <laughs> like by the end of this issue, I was like, oh, Squadron Supreme is crazy. Like, they're, you're just brainwashing civilians early. Like the, the, they vote, yes, it's good, and they are just putting dozens of people through the machine. Like later that mm-hmm. week, yeah. like this, this, this is crazy. Like I, I mentioned Grant Morrison before Doom Patrol. This is like a Grant Morrison level of heightening in terms of just like <laughs> let's ratchet it all yeah, the yeah. way up. Um, this is a little bit where Wizard feels bad that he like ran away from the team <laughs> and he's like, oh, they're not going to like me anymore. I'm like, I don't think you did anything wrong, you dude. You didn't do anything wrong. You thought they were under the power of evil people. Um, like, you know, grabbing a gun felt sort of weird to me, but like not running to protect your family. I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah, he feels really guilty. And then like um, Spectrum is kind of like, I don't know. I felt guilty for... Oh, so they, they do... Who do they kick off the team? Oh, that's not next issue. Somebody gets kicked off. Yeah. Um, yeah, so a lot of the heroes, we got we got... Are feeling guilty. A lot of the heroes yeah. are feeling guilty. We got Spectrum feels guilty for killing Nuke. Wizard feels yeah. guilty for unloading machine guns on his team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they have a point. Golden Archer feels guilty for brainwashing his fiance. <laughs> um, so yeah. So should we go to the last issue? Let's go to the last issue. So, so one thing about this issue, it's a new artist. Bob Hall doesn't draw it anymore. This is by Paul Ryan. Um, the senator from uh, Wisconsin who uh, got to was assume. the VP. Uh, it's such a unique name. There can't be more than one Paul Ryan. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know what people think of the art change. It's not a huge shift. I think the art's actually a little better in my mind. But, uh, but it's close. And uh, this issue starts with now the Institute of Evil has been brainwashed right. to be good guys. Right, so they're 100% good guys. So the Institute of Evil and all the prisoners who've been brainwashed are helping build a home for Squadron. For the Squadron and their extended families. Right, so now there's like a secure kind of compound. Yeah, and so Wizard can see his family more often. It's, you know, it seems like a good idea. It feels weird using prisoners and super prisoners evil who you people. brainwashed. Yeah. 
And uh, we find out the Institute of Evil can't say no to the squadron is one of the things that they put into there. Like, that's not making them good guys. They're robots. Like, they have to obey direct orders. Yeah. That is like this one, like, like it's like, you made them good? Okay, I mean, they were evil. They used the word evil in their name. You made them good. <laughs> Maybe I can get behind that. The also, public's... they can't say no to us. It's like, ugh, so no free will? <laughs> no. Not when we want them to not yeah. have it. They have free will unless we order them not to. Yeah, right. And that's like, okay, I feel like you maybe. I'm saying this. This book is crazy. Yeah. This book is nuts. So, um, there's a little moment where Tom Thumb's jealous of the gorilla because uh, she's inventing stuff pretty well. And I'm just like, what is going on with this? Right. So Tom Thumb, who looks like O'Brien, is jealous of Madam Ape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. And so word kind of gets out in this issue what Golden Archer did. Like Blue Eagle, who knew that, who was falling in love with Lady Lark and knew Lady Lark was falling in love with him, confronts her. Yeah. Sees that she's completely in love in a way that's unrealistic, given that she was expressing doubts not long ago. Figures it out. Confronts Golden Archer publicly in front of the group, and Golden Archer confesses, yes, I did use the machine on her. And because it would be, you can't undo it for whatever reason. Yeah. Right, you can only be brainwashed once. <laughs> so, um, which I guess means, what if I use the brainwashing machine just to be like, you, you know, I take somebody, I'm like, you don't like cheese? You like cheese a little more. And that's it? That's their brainwash yeah, gone? It. Okay. I um, think so. Or maybe you could do different areas. Because that would be the way to protect yourself from brainwashing. But maybe, maybe it's oh, just maybe like, if, if you, don't you go just can't do any more cheese-related brainwashing. <laughs> so, like, we can't unmake you love him. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, so then they vote he, whether or not he should be kicked off the team. And it's a, it's a close vote. But he's kicked off. He's kicked off. He should be unanimously kicked off. He should put him in jail, right? Like, that's an insane crime. He is your friend. I sort of do get some votes for him. Because he saved your life and he's like... I don't know. Uh, when... I mean, emotionally, I understand wanting to stand up for someone so, that you love that, yeah. that has done wrong. But I just mean like... Look, I mean, I would vote you off the team... For any infraction. Me. But, but yes. <laughs> if it was sort of like Will left the peanut butter jar on the the counter. I did but do he that. put the cap on it. It's, I didn't do that. It's closed completely, but it's on the, it's on the counter. He's off the team. I, but I really did leave You're it. off the team. Oh, crap. God damn it. Um, get out of Squadron Plaza. Clean out your bunk. <laughs> uh, uh, but, you know, but I do get like, I mean, we see that all the time, right? Where it's like... Um, Oh, we got to punish these people. We got to punish people. Well, I'm friends with that person. They're not that bad. This is just a mistake they made. Right. When it's someone you know, that's how it feels. And so that all actually reads very real to me. That well, unless we have other people done stuff vote. wrong, right? Like Golden Archer is kicked off, and new, and um and Spectre Spectrum says, "God, I killed somebody. They didn't even consider voting me off." And they're like, "Well, you did it as an accident." Yeah, uh, but I mean, I think about it, like Louis C.K. Right? Yeah. Half what did the, he do? Half, I love him. Uh, <laughs> Lots of people were like, this guy, we're done with this guy. He, he forced people to watch himself, pleasure himself. He yeah. abused his power. But then, like, people who know him and have performed with him and worked with him are like, oh, no, come on. It's Louis. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah, and yeah. they don't turn on him and they just can't because it's their friend. And I sort of do get both sides of that. Yeah. It's hard to, I think about that all the time. Like, I'm like, what if, like, a really good friend of mine, something came out about them? Yeah. Would I be able to just be like, well, I no longer like this person? Right. And you, It'd be hard to to do that at, like completely, and I don't, and I think that's human and normal. So if I was on the Justice League, and the Green Arrow character brainwashed his girlfriend, there's a part of me that would be like, oh, yeah, that's my pal. So I guess, but that, also so is she. So that, that is the weird part about it, right? Right. So, um, 
So, yes, I, I, I'm glad he got voted off. I'm also glad it was a close vote, weirdly. There's also a vote for whether or not they should add the Institute of Evil to the team, right? Yeah, they're completely rehabilitated. Rehabilitated. They're they're having manpower problems because yeah. everyone on their team keeps getting like voted off or yeah. like too guilty to fight. And that's also a close vote. But, yeah, but in this case, they vote to add them to the team slowly. Slowly, they're not automatically added. They're going to be trained and yeah. put on over right. time. Um, Which in squadrons in prime time is probably like a week. Yeah, next issue they'll be full members. Here's some other names of the Institute of Evil guys that I forgot. Mink is kind of the, I think, a femme fatale of some kind. And then Remnant is the punk rock dude. Pinball is some kind of <laughs> android person. Uh-huh. I don't know. At, um, one point, at one point, there's another little evil team in this issue. It's like somebody menace, the masked menace or the metropolitan menace or something, has got a little group of evil people and they... Oh, no. That, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually who I'm talking about now. Mink, Remnant, and Pinball are not Institute of Evil. Yes, they're this other team. They're this other team with... God, it's so hard to keep Master track of Menace. With Master Menace. He's the guy that wouldn't cure cancer. Is he? No, I think he's a different guy. Okay, that's a different guy. I can't... I don't know. Master but, Menace is just... Because that guy's in the future, the guy who cured cancer. Right. This guy is in the current time. Okay. And they're basically watching all this... Happen and um, Master Wait. Menace is like, oh, this is weird. Like that, might this, these heroes are sort of being villains. What do I do about this? And all the villains sort of quit. They're like, we're getting out of here. Like the Squadron Supreme is mad with power, and our, you know, they're going to get us and brainwash us. We're just going to run away. And where do they go to? I don't remember. They go. They get like a teleporter. I don't know where he sends them. Uh, uh, out of this world. They just go to another planet, I guess. Yeah, they just leave Earth. I mean, this is Golden Age Justice League territory is really what's going on. Right, where there's just easy access or to other planets. Silver Age, really, not Golden Age. Silver Age is what I mean. Yeah. Pre-crisis. Uh, yes, but Master Menace stays behind because he still thinks he can take down the Squadron Supreme or whatever. Also, Amphibian, who never liked the brainwashing machine, uh, destroys it. Yeah. And then leaves. And orders Madame Ape to erase the blueprints of it so it can't be recreated. Yeah, though they still have Tom Thumb. Anyway, I don't know. But uh, he leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, so Amphibian's gone. Also, once Golden Archer left, Lady Lark left with him because she's, she's 100% devoted to him. Yeah, and they let that happen. They're okay with that. Um, so we lost like half the team. Yeah, Dr. Spectrum won't fight. Uh, Nuke is still dead. He's still dead. Um, yeah, they're, they're dropping members. But they added the Institute of Evil <laughs> to bolster their numbers. And that stuff's sort of fun, like... Because it's also like adding the Institute of Evil, but they're good now, isn't a bad idea. Though it is seem does seem weird. Well, they're also slaves. I mean, like they yeah. they don't have they can't think for themselves. So yeah, the team has gotten weird, and <laughs> uh, and it, it, this was just all more interesting to me. It's still crazy and and too fast and not paced that well, uh, and the dialogue's a little clunky, but it became more enjoyable to me. I could nuance our criticism a little bit because maybe it's actually paced fine, but somehow. I'm going to bring up Watchmen again. Watch- Never heard of it. God, you love it. Mm-hmm. You said you'd love League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you I like- love the characters Rorschach, Night Owl, <laughs> and Dr. Manhattan. Or as I call him, Mr. Manhattan. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I deserve that. Um, so I, I, it's like somehow Alan Moore would be able in three panels to give some nuance and depth 
to the same story decision. Like somehow when the old Night Owl is talking to new Night Owl and Watchmen and you, and you kind of get a sense pretty soon. Oh, it's like an old timey good cop fella mm-hmm. talking to a get guy who's really emotionally yeah. <laughs> depressed and, and wrestling with like real sadness and the naive fifties, go get him. Come on, keep a chin up buck. Isn't enough for this guy that that can happen in like three panels. So it's, it's not, a, it's not a question of real estate necessarily. Yeah, but I do think Watchmen had what five main characters plus yeah. their supporting cast around them. Like the second night owl is like a character connected to night owl. Yeah. He's basically just folded into night owl as a character where right? this has like 12 of those. And people. we've had Institute of evil and then whatever the masked menace people are. Yeah. Like night owl is basically wizard's family who get no time. And, you know, if, if you removed half this team, if you removed, like, uh, you know, whatever, this is the story uh, Mark wanted to tell. But if you remove, like, half or a third of these characters, you'd have a little more breathing room for some of these other characters to be more fleshed out, which would in turn flesh out the main characters. Right, right. Like, I really like what I've read about Power Princess in this, but she doesn't get much time to do those things. Like, she's still living with her Steve Trevor. I find fascinating that Utopia left, like, the island of Themyscira left and goes, we lost. And Wonder Woman would go, I'm going to stay. I think I can still pull this off. I find very powerful. Yeah, I do love that. And that's do like th- a, a like a little backstory panel is all we get for that. Do you think we're interested in the Steve Trevor character because he's one of the main guys who's our age in this book? He's a little young, I still. <laughs> <laughs> um, this issue, issue six ends with the Nighthawk character, former president of the United States, Batman analog mm-hmm. a little, yeah. who quit. And- Not a little, a lot. Okay, who quit at the end of the first? Who quit halfway through the first issue? Tried, thought about murdering Hyperion. Hyperion yeah, backed off. Has shows up at the end of six, thinking to himself that he has a plan to stop the squadron. We don't know what that is yet, mm-hmm. but that's where we end issue six. Yeah. Uh, so who knows what happens next? Um. So that's where we're at. So yeah, I can, I can just hear us talking about it. We're more into it than we were last issue, uh, last episode. Yes. Um, and it's fun, and I, and I hope, and I hope that, incur- and I hope that it uh, Keeps continues. Going. Yeah, yeah. I, I went online and looked up a few articles. I basically wrote, um, googled Squadron Supreme Watchmen to see what articles popped up, and there's a lot of articles that come up saying that they're almost as good as each other, and there's some that say Squadron Supreme is better. I read an article. Yeah, that feels crazy. That basically went issue by issue, basically sort of like an unfair thing, being like, how does issue one of Squadron Supreme compare to issue one of Watchmen? And watch and Squadron Supreme by this person's writing won like four or five issues. And I was like, it doesn't win any of these issues in my mind. Yeah, it doesn't win any of the issues. But um, like, you know, art is subjective. Like yeah. Squadron Supreme is doing something different mm-hmm. than Watchmen. Um, if you are into seriously having these superheroes debate the issues of the day, there's almost almost none of that in Watchmen in any real way. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you are kind of into the wildness. Of Squadron Supreme, like just the craziness. You, you know, Squadron is just not as smooth as Watchmen. So certainly, if somebody said to me, I like Squadron more than Watchmen, that in itself does not baffle me. But to kind of just declare, oh, in an objective sense, Squadron is better than Watchmen, I'm like, you're not reading these books. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're just not paid attention. Um, it's It's really an unfair thing to compare them. I mean... Yeah, 100%. Uh, Marvel by the Month, the podcast uh, we were guests on. on we were guests on, yeah. yes, that's right. Uh, comment on one of our Instagram posts. It's really tricky to go back and genuinely enjoy something that was basically Watchmen before Watchmen. It also has 600 words per panel. 
Yeah. There's no doubt that Moore and Gibbons did it better in every respect, but Grunewald deserves a ton of credit for thinking about this stuff at a level that most folks just weren't at the time. I have to wonder if he was influenced by Moore's Miracle Man run. This could have been an email. Um, (laughs) That's interesting. I wonder if he was. Um, Well, you know what's funny about that? Because Miracle Man um, is... I love Miracle Man, but it's nuts. And it is way wilder than Watchmen. And it is very dense with dialogue. Mm -hmm. Like, it's kind of hard to understand what's going on, I found, in Marvel Man sometimes. I mean, Watchmen is dense with dialogue, too. I know, but somehow the... Maybe because I've read it so often. Like, Watchmen feels simpler to me, but... um, The Tales of the Black Freighter Oh, right. Yeah, that stuff's nuts. Right. But, um... Like which, Marvel, is, Marvel which is Ma- probably, I think, if anybody who thinks Squadron Supreme is better, I, th- I blame Tales of the Black Freighter 100% for that. <laughs> and I like that part of the comic now, but certainly the first few times I read, I that's sort of skip. skimmed. Yeah, that's a skip. Skim or skipped. <laughs> um, that's a real interesting comparison about Marvel Men. I can really see a lot more similarity between Squadron and, and Marvel Man. Oh, sorry, Miracle Man. Both are correct. Um, then It's more correct in your Mr. Freeze. Is that wrong? Your Dr. Freeze, rather, okay, not right. Mr. Freeze. How about Mrs. Ivy? Is that wrong? <laughs> she does almost marry Harvey S- Dent in the first. <laughs> Sergeant Riddler? So um, so that's interesting, because like in tone and like, that, I can really see that a lot. Uh, and it's a very good point. It's it's a little bit unfair for us to be reading this now and mm-hmm. not in the context, because like, sure. it could have wowed, it, you know, it, this Marvel was still a pretty small company, you know, and yeah. for Squadron to come out, and it's true, this is not concurrent with Watchmen, pre-Watchmen. Yeah. It could it could be seen as like, man, Marvel's really going for it. Like, this yeah. is really cool. And if you read it at that time and, you're, you're, and that kind of soaks into your bones, you'll forever love Squadron Supreme. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's sort of just like... Um... I don't know, being like a pretty good at a pretty good basketball player and then like Michael Jordan shows up and you're like, oh, I was the best for like an hour or whatever. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess it's not like bird and magic and then Jordan shows up. They still probably felt like they were the best. But there is something to that where it's like, oh, man. Yeah. There's no one. There's no one who plays basketball like me. LeBron who? <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's just like, oh, man, guess I'm second. Still but pretty good. There are, you know, aficionados of any yeah. like thing will always kind of they'll have deep cuts that they love more Mm -hmm. than the hit singles you know if you have a favorite band your favorite song is probably not the most famous song that band has it's probably like yeah track nine on some experimental album that really does it for you and yeah but i don't know it's sort of just being like i think the dave clark five is better than the beatles right isn't it sort of like yes yes it is like they're sort of the same sort of genre yeah like one like insanely dominated the other one and also one like pushed it to new levels and took it to all these new places. And one just like did it pretty good. I know I we know. should be wrapping up. I got, you mentioned the Beatles. Sorry. Um, you, the audience is who's going to be sorry, not me. Yeah. But, uh, the, in one of the like outtakes of their final album, Abbey road, the final mm-hmm. album they recorded the j- album is, it's a bunch of songs mm-hmm. that are together and, good. um, they're getting ready to record, uh, she came through the bathroom window and it, it's mm-hmm. and the Beatles are like talking to each other and they just did a take and then John Paul says to Ringo about his drumming it's like oh could you try one that's like a little less hard or something like that or it's like too many hits on the tom or something that doesn't not like it just like oh try one that's a little less on that and then John goes yeah we sound like the Dave Clark Five and I was like I don't know 
what that means. And I mean, I yeah. as I wanted to work backwards from that insult yeah. to be like, oh, what does John Lennon think of the Dave Clark Five? And also, the Beatles were monitoring the Dave Clark Five and being um, like, it's kind I of. I mean, fun. I just picked that comparison out of the air. I'm pretty impressed with myself. For you being, did great. Uh, was a good actor. That was very accurate. Very. You were like a yeah. music reviewer, right there. Yeah. There for you a go. Moment. Yeah. Dave Clark, who famously hosted the Countdown. <laughs> Oh boy! Uh, right? Didn't he do the New Year's Eve countdown for a while? No. And the other four, I guess, didn't get to do it with him. No. You no. know, you've lost all your credibility. <laughs> no, right. All right, fair enough. Well, I don't know. I like Dave Clark. You mean Dick Clark, the guy who? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I mean, who Dave hosted Clark. like Mid Stroke for ten years <laughs> yeah, yeah. or whatever? I did love when he would host Mid Stroke. <laughs> I found it some so perverse and strange, and and I couldn't turn away. I hadn't watched it in years when I came back and saw him do it. I was like, wait, what's happening? I used to, like, I would be watching it and be like, can we please watch the Dick Clark? Like, it's too sad. I'm like, I know. I want to see it. It's it's so weird that NBC, like, put him in that chair and made him do this. Yeah. I mean, I guess he wanted to. but He must it, have. Anyway. Um, uh, what was our point? Email us. Email us. Screwitcomics at Gmail. Or you can tweet tweet at us at Screwitcomics. No, Maybe. Twitter might be gone by this point. Twitter's doing great. <laughs> My boy Elon's taking care of things. Um, but yeah, screw it comics on Twitter as long as it exists. And, and then screw it Instagram. Comics on Instagram. Yeah. And uh, email us for sure. We want more email. Oh, and oh, we're still doing an Instagram push. Oh, yeah. We're, oh, we should have mentioned this at the top. Maybe we'll, we need to do we'll a cold, cold open. open. <laughs> <laughs> you already heard this in our cold open, but uh, Insta push is still going on. We've gained seven new followers, Ooh. which I probably mentioned in the cold open. Um, so yes, we want if if you're a fan of the podcast and you haven't already, or even if you have, take any panel from our Instagram feed and put it in your stories with the hashtag Screw It Insta Push. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't have to do that part if that really <laughs> that part. if that breaks it for you. But um, we, a lot of people have, and we really do appreciate it. We would love it if you would keep doing I, it. I don't even care if you get people to listen to our podcast. If you can get people to follow the Instagram, I'm hoping the Instagram will get people to maybe listen to the podcast. Yeah. Or more followers on the Instagram will get more followers on the Instagram, which will get more followers to the podcast. You know, like once mm-hmm. those things start rolling, I'm hoping One it way probably won't other. happen. But let's try. So as a, as a community, let's really come together and make this happen. So this we gained- is probably the most important thing as a community <laughs> we could be doing to improve the world. So we got seven more followers. Let's go for two more. <laughs> let's, let's get an even ten. Come on, three uh, let's more. go. Let's go for three more and get an even ten. Um, okay, well, that's that's our episode, right? All right, yeah. All right, thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Screw it, screw it. We're just going to talk about comics. comics.